Now, good morning to you all. I hope you're all in good spirits. I hope you're well. I pray that God is blessing you and you're experiencing his goodness. It's my privilege this morning to share with you. And as we were thinking about today, you know, Chris and I were thinking about it, we thought that it would be remiss of us as a people to rush forward without taking time to give thanks to God for all that he's done. I hope that you were at the opening last week. If you weren't, I don't know where you were, but you can see the montage, but we had a wonderful time. It was the culmination of what? Two and a half or 30 months work. And those of us who have worked on the team, we kind of got there and boy, it was like, yes! <sighs> so there was a culmination of joy and happiness and also tiredness. But what I'd like to do is just, this morning, if you want a title for the message, it's All From You. That's the title of the message. And it was a title track, I think, of one of Sam's song, All From You. And what a journey it's been. You know, since God gave us this vision from Isaiah 54, uh, uh, 54 2, to, to, uh, 2 to 3, where it said here, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not... Hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in desolate cities. Now, it's really funny because we talked about, as it were, spreading out to the right and the left. Originally, we were trying to get the building across the road, but we got the message sooner or later. Let me just say, I mean, autobiographically, next year I will be been at this church here with Chris and Fliss 20 years. We came in 1997, and you were 10 years into the journey. I had the privilege of meeting Chris when he first came here, 1998. I was at St. Hugh's, Lucy, and Fliss, and Chris actually came as a guest speaker in 1998, and I was leading worship. And Chris was very complimentary, extremely so. Anyway, I was working for a company called Granada TV Rental. I was a TV repair man, and St. Albans was my patch. And I remember going up to where you were living, just up outside Waitrose there, and met Chris, not knowing that one day I would be in his church. But I remember Chris saying to me, he said, Dan, I always knew that you'd be in our church. I joined you just as we'd be at Marlborough. You'd been to Stags, and from that family of six, four children who came over, from being at Anaheim after training and came to St. Albans and started the church. Chris knows all of this, but some of you don't. Because <laughs> you're sitting there saying, come on, then get into the message, son. <laughs> but from that, we have this. I came when we were at Marlborough School and the church was rocking at that time. And we wanted a home of our own. You remember? That was it. A home of our own. And after many years and prayer, we got this building. 12 years ago? I believe it was 12 years ago. And what I remember is that this was just an empty space. And Chris kept saying to me, Dan, this is big. Dan, this is big. And I was thinking, what's wrong with you, man? You know, because I hadn't seen the building. Then I came into the building and I went, oh, this is big. How are we going to fill this space? There was a sense of, oh my goodness me, what have we taken on here? Now we find ourselves 12 years later and we bought a building next door. We didn't think at that time that we would need the building next door. But you know something? What you don't know is that 
Chris always, and Fliss had always had it in their heart to have a church of at least 5,000 people. So it was written into our DNA that we were going to buy that building next door. Anyway, the psalmist said this. He encourages us in Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name and praise his name. Why? Because the Lord is good. Because the Lord is good. And he, his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So as I was saying to you, and if you get a chance, read, uh, watch that, the Growing Family video. It's about 11 minutes long, but I took a little bit from it. The purpose of us buying next door, I, re- I read, is this. To increase, it was to increase our facilities and make room for his growing family. So in 2014, we set our sights on buying another building here on Bricknell Park. So we could do what? Accommodate our growing youth and children's work. And I love this phrase that Chris said, we could honor the poor. Because God has a heart for the poor. So Chris also said this, but it wasn't just about buying a building. There are certain things that have happened to us as we've gone through this as a community. It's deepened our relationship with him through the trials and the tests and the delays. God has, one, deepened our prayer life. We've learned to seek God in a new way. 1 Timothy 2 says that we should, intercessions and prayers should be made for all those in authority over us, that we might live a good and quiet and peaceable life. So we've had to learn to, to pray and seek God in a way that we haven't before. It's taught us to persevere and hold on to God's promises. You know, friends, one of the things, particularly, I say this as men, we, men when we all have different roles to play, but one of the things that we as men should be able to do is that when God gives us a promise, we learn to persevere. Well, we had to hold on to Isaiah 54, 3 and 4. When it was, the tough going was getting tough, when things were not difficult, we had to hold on to the fact that God had called us to do this thing. We weren't doing this of our own volition. We weren't doing this to become the jewel in the land. We were doing this because God had called us to do it. So we learned to persevere and hold on to his promises. But it also taught us how to engage in spiritual warfare as we battled. Remember for the planning. The planning that we thought was going to be a breeze, that was going to be easy, 12 weeks, more than that. It took more than that. It took, oh, it was a battle. And we learned how to engage in spiritual warfare. We realized we were not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. But we learned to stand in the authority of who we are in Christ, and we learned to hold on to his promises. We learned to plead them, and we learned to move, press through. In prayer, realizing that the victory is not ours, but the Lord's. It also taught us how to give of our time and our energy and our money sacrificially. As John and Debbie said last week, some of us have given the biggest checks in our life to this work. Some of us have given the most of our time and our energy to this work. So these are just some of the things that God has worked in us. It's not just the building. It's what God is doing in us as a people. Now, 
as I began to think about this more, scripture came to my mind that's been on my heart for some time. In the Old Testament, we read about Israel's most celebrated king, King David, about 1000 BC. And as he comes to the end of his life, he's making preparation for a building that would indeed inhabit the very presence of God, the temple. And David begins to give thanks. And I thought, well, if we're going to give thanks, let's look at a model of giving thanks. And I'm going to introduce you to this model here from 1 Chronicles 29. You know, David is one of these great, great, great characters from the Bible. But when I began to read this, I began to realize that God is to be thanked and there's a way to thank him. And there's some principles here as as it were, as David thanks him that I think we can all benefit from. So we're going to read it through, then I'm going to make a few comments about that, and then we're just going to get up and worship God. (laughs) Okay, come with me now to 1 Chronicles 29, 10 to 14. And I have to, you know, I'm always one to like to give the background, but I'm going to resist the temptation to do that today. Christopher is a good boy. (laughs) All right, so here we go. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in the heaven and the earth is yours. Period. Amen. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Man, I could finish there, man. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, a few points here. Let's take the first verse. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the Holy Spirit, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. See, our God is everlasting, and what that means is that he doesn't fade away. You see, governments will come and go. We've seen prime ministers disappear as quick. You know, Mr. Cameron was here one minute, he's gone. Now it's Theresa May. I always find it very interesting that within the same party, instead of building on what's gone before, they rubbish what's gone before and start again. But that's just a very, that's just a comment. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. You know, I, I say that because, I, you know, I had the privilege of, you know, building on what Linda Hall built. So I didn't come in and rubbish that. I built on it <laughs> rather than, hmm, you know, blah, 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 you know, blah, 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 and all the usual stuff that you read in the paper. And now, da, 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 the new prime minister is going to change the world. Changes are coming. Well, look, let me tell you something. Our God is everlasting. Governments will come and they will go. Mandates will come and go. But our God is everlasting because he's not like a man. He doesn't lie. 
When he makes a promise, he fulfills on it. Not like a manifesto that gets your vote and then when they get in, they do something different. I have to be careful. We are a charity. I am walk a thin line here. But the, but the reality, God isn't like that. When God says something, and when God gives you a promise, he sticks to it. And when God gave us a promise that we would have a home of our own, he was not like a man. He stuck to the promise. You're in it. When God said, lengthen the borders of your tent, make space for more people, we may have struggled, but God came through. Next door's the evidence of that. We have a God who is everlasting. He's totally dependable. And what he promises always comes to pass. Joshua, towards the end of his life, doing the same thing. And what you'll find when you read some of the kind of swan songs of the various greats of the Bible there, Joshua, Moses, they tell you what has gone before. They tell you what's going to happen now. And then they tell you what's going to happen in the future. But one of the things Joshua said is, it says at the end of Joshua, 2145, it says, every good promise that God promised to Israel came to pass. None failed. Why? Because he's an everlasting God. His character is such that what he says he does. And you know what? The promises that God has for this church, which have yet to be fulfilled, will be fulfilled. Because he's an everlasting God. Amen. Okay, let's look at verse 11. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in the heaven and on the earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. David declares the truth that all the principalities and powers know that are raised up against our Lord Jesus and his Christ. That God, the Lord, our God, is Lord over everything. Now look, friends, you need to understand something. That we here in the West, they are not, we are given over, particularly in our society, to secular humanism. There are people whose their avowed aim is to make sure that every inference to judo-Christianity is removed from commerce and business and education. And they are plotting now. While you speak, you think when Mr. Cameron brought in the bill for same-sex marriage that that was just the beginning. And of course, we the church have a choice. Let me tell you something. Their choice is not to give us a choice. Their choice is to remove every vestige, vestige of the Judeo-Christian princes that have built this nation from our nation full stop. That's the plan. But Psalm 2. Charles Haddon Spurgeon called Psalm 2 the, the Psalm of the Messiah Prince. If you read it, it says... The Lord sits in the heavens and he laughs. He laughs because, in fact, I can't unpack it because we haven't got the time. But if you read it, it says that, in fact, the apostles in Acts chapter 4, around about 26 down there to 31, they were facing the same thing. That, they, that the authorities were against what God was doing and against his holy child Jesus. And their response was to say, Sovereign Lord, you rule in the heavens. Yours is the greatness and the power. And it doesn't matter what the secular humanists are planning to remove every vestige of Christianity from our nation. God sits in the heavens and he laughs. You know why he laughs? Because it says he has set his king upon his holy hill in Zion. 
Who's the king? Say it. Jesus. This is the Jesus, it says, that on the cross, he made an open show of principalities of powers and he triumphed over them. This is Jesus that sits at the right hand of the Father on high, having made purification for your sin and my sin. This is the Jesus who ever lives to make intercession for us. And this is the Jesus that will come again, not as a baby, but as a prince. He will come as a governor whose eyes, it says, are as fire, whose his face is like the sun shining strongly. And out of his mouth goes a sharp to his foot sword, and his feet are like brass. This isn't the baby, this is the governor. And it says in Psalm 2, he will smash them with a rod of iron. Church, we as the people of God, we need to find our voice. And we need to speak to the secular humanists, and we need to speak to all those who seek to undermine this nation. We need to be clear about what we believe. We need to be clear about what God's standards are for us as sexual, sexuality. God, we need to be clear about what God expects of us, and we need to be able to declare it, yes, with humility, but with clarity, so that people know who we are in a pluralistic, democratic society. In other words, we have a voice and we have a right to say what we believe. For too long, we've been on the back foot, worried that we're going to upset people. But the people who are upsetting us, we, we, we allow them to speak. Yes, God has a standard. Everything in the earth is yours. You see, here's the issue. The issue is either you are a creature under God or you are a creator and do your own thing. That's the choice. Our society has chosen, because of what happened in the fall, when we ate of the tree of good and evil, in that moment we decided that we would be governor of our, of our own lives. We would make decisions about what is good and what is right. But you see, we have not made ourselves. We are the sheep of his pasture. And the Lord, he is God. And he is governor over everything in the earth. And he knows best how for us to live our lives. That's the choice. Let's finish this for me. The earth is the? And the fullness thereof, and all that dwells therein. So the earth belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to the Republicans. It doesn't belong to the Conservatives. It doesn't belong to Labour. It belongs to the Lord, according to the Scriptures. So we give thanks that our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills of the gold in every mine. And because yours is a kingdom and you are exalted above all things, we give thanks that you have directed resources to us here so that we can make space for all those who are seeking and searching for Jesus. And we didn't need money from the lottery. And we didn't need money from the government. God directed the resources that he needs to his people because he is Lord over all, and we live in a different economy to the people outside of here. You see, our economy doesn't experience recession because we have a God who doesn't deal in lack. He deals in abundance, in good measure, pressed down, checking together and running over. That's our God. There's no lack in his house. 
We don't have to worry about balancing the trade deficit and trialing the books and, the, and all the PBR and all the other stuff that we lack in the economy. We have a different economy. You see, when people say, how did you build this building? And did you not apply for a lottery funding, et cetera, et cetera? We said, no. God's people's hearts were touched by what was going on, and they gave. And then God added to it. Yay! All right, bless God. Let's look at verse 12 and 13. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. David acknowledges that honor comes from him. See, if you have honor and wealth, it's not by your own strength and no power. Yes, I know, you went to the university, and of course, you got the degree and all the rest of it, but who opened the doors for you? Who gave you favor? Read the book. You see how God gives Joseph favor in a foreign land and raises him up. You're in an organization, and you find yourself at the top of it. It's not an accident. It's God that gives us the power to do these things. It's nothing to, it, it doesn't come from our ancestry. What did Paul say, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 26? He said, remember your calling, brethren. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were wealthy. But God loves to take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So what he does, what does he do? He takes a group of people from St. Albans with an interesting demographic. We've got ethnic diversity. We've got people who are wealthy, people who are not. Some are poor, some are struggling. But he takes this group of people and he just, in his goodness and in his graciousness, he gives us a vision and a mission. And then he supplies us with things above and beyond that which we could ask or think because he's God and because we're his people. Thank you, Lord. You see, God rules in the affairs of men and women. We are living in the economy of God. You see, you, you listen to, I'm at that age where I listen to Radio 4 and all this stuff, and it's blah, 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 right? Blah, 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 blah. But really, surely no, blah, 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 blah. And after a while, if you listen to that, you think that the world is run by Radio 4, today program, with John, Tim, you know, John, whatever his name, and all the rest of it, and the comments from the various ministers, etc., etc. And if that's all you listen to and you read The Guardian and The Observer and the this and the that and all the rest of it, you think these people rule the world. They do not. And most of the time, what they are giving us is words. But you see, I have this word, the word of God. I have this, the fact that wealth and honor comes from God. That it's in his hands to make, and strength and power come from him. And he lifts up and he casts down. Daniel put it like this. Now, Daniel was the chief kind of like satrap, or he would be a government minister to Nebuchadnezzar. And when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and no one could tell him the dream, and Nebuchadnezzar was a heavy dude, because he said, I want you guys to tell me the dream, but I ain't going to tell it to you. And if you don't tell me, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> this is not a nice man. You talk about nasty, this man is nasty. But God gives Daniel the revelation, and, and then this is what God, Daniel says. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes the times and seasons, and here it is. He disposes kings and raises up others. 
Let me tell you something. We need to pray for those in authority over us that we might have a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and sincerity. But let me tell you this. God is in control of his universe. He raises up one and he casts down another. A prime minister can be there one minute, as we saw, and gone. And not just gone, gone, gone. He rules in the affairs of men. So we give thanks that this vision to make a space where all are seeking and searching for Jesus was not held ransom by the planning officer going on holiday. Because our God is ruler over all things. And in his hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. So that's why we give thanks and we praise our glorious God. I'm so happy that my God is in control because, as I said, if I listened to blah, 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 I would be depressed. I would, what I would say to you is listen a little, but not too much. Read this. Fill your heart with his word. Get this in your heart. Get the vision for what God is. And you will have confidence as you walk out into the world because you know that it's our God who holds it. Okay, final verse now. Verse 14. Then we're coming home. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give, to give as generously as this? And if I was going to text, here it is. Everything comes from who? You. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. See, everything that you see here comes from our God. It is he who gave Chris and Fish the vision to have a church that was accessible for non-church people. And that doesn't mean that the church people, you don't get a look in. But remember, there are more non-church people out there than church. And much of what was going on in church was for the people inside. And when Chris walked into Rip, Ripon Cathedral, this was a strange world with men in surpluses and all kind of stuff and all the rest of it. And when, as John recounts, they went down and saw John Wimber for the first time, they found an expression of church that connected with their hearts. We wanted to find, they wanted to do church, so whether you came, whether you had a relationship with God or not, if you came, it wasn't strange. It was accessible. And that's still our vision, to make it accessible for all those who are searching and seeking for Jesus. Sometimes, you know, we get trouble, some people, and I say to them, are you here to search, searching and seeking for Jesus? No. Well, you might as well go then. <laughs> no, that's harsh. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, see, you're the ones that have to deal with that. We are the ones that have to chase these people out of the build, building. But the reality is, <laughs> if you're searching and seeking for Jesus, we are looking for you. If you want to tell us how to run the church, phone us or send us an email. But <laughs> I need to say, you know, I've been in this job long enough to know, man. These guys, I didn't realize what Chris and Fliss had to put up with. <laughs> you know, these people, they come to your church once and all of a sudden they're on the board of directors. <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. No, no, no. I'm talking about other people. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you missed that. No. It didn't happen. It though. didn't happen. No. No. We were jokingly saying, well, no, I think you've got the point. <laughs> it is he who has built this wonderful team. You know, it's a great honor and privilege to be on this team, and it's a great team. And Chris and Fliss, man, sometimes we just have so much fun. 
Chris is very naughty, you know. But I won't, <laughs> but I won't tell you this. Sometimes I, I have to laugh. Sometimes. It's just, it, 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 they should do a comedy show because it's, Chris says something and then you look at Fliss's face and her face speaks more powerful than words. <laughs> All I say to Chris, you're in deep doo-doo. <laughs> but we have fun on the team. And we've got such talented people, and we watch one another's back. But it's a wonderful privilege, and it's God that has brought us together. And we have committed ourselves. You know, this Jesus has turned my life upside down. Because the reality is now, that the, the job I used to do, that's gone now. This is what I do. It's not a job. It's a calling. And it's the main thing in my life. Because of the vision and the calling that God put on Chris and I bought into you see, friends, everything you see here, it all comes from him. And all we are doing is giving back to him that which he gave us. Shall we stand? Could a band come up, please? It is he... Our God who has blessed the work of our hands. It is he, our God, who, is, who led Chris and Fliss to start this community here with their family, Noel and Jess and Sam and Sophie, got it. They came here. And I always remember, you know, when Chris was saying how he didn't have a job. He had to pay, do painting and decorating. And I always remember he broke his leg. And he's there before God saying, oh God, how am I going to feed my family like this? And well, I've broken my leg. But yet, because he put his trust in an everlasting God who is able to do a seeding abundantly above that which we could ask or think, we now stand here. And we are on the threshold of God doing things that I have not seen, neither ear heard. You know, in the next two to three years, our church can go from 1,200 to 3,000. And you know, it's because God is able to do things with ordinary people and cause those people to do extraordinary things. Some of you have given sacrificially in time and energy and money. Some of you have prioritized God's kingdom above everything else. And I'm telling you, that as he's building this community, ethnically diverse, we will see in the next two, three years an explosion in growth that we've never seen before. God will raise up leadership so we can deal with it. We will be a church that speaks to nations. We will send people to nations. And you are in this place for such a time as this. So before we... We we'll move on into that next phase. We want to take this opportunity to give thanks to our God. And let's use David's words. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. 
Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. 